Dan Healy here from the Miami Hitch UK. Before we come into today's episode, I just want to tell you about our new sponsor, that is At Mugs NFL. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this guy's account now. They specialise in the personalisation of any sports team mugs and t-shirts and hoodies so you give them whatever team you want in whatever color scheme with whatever player name whatever player number you want and they will put it on a mug t-shirt or hoodie don't be put off by their twitter handle which is at mugs nfl because it's not just the nfl they do any sports any american sport any english sport whatever you want they will put it on a mug t-shirt or hoodie so go and check them out secondly We are now part of the Overtime Heroics Network. Please check out OvertimeHeroics.net for more great American sports content. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. Here's your host, Dan Healy, also known as At the Miami Heat UK. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy. Be sure to check out the website, miamiheatuk.com, for new information and uh, articles on the heat. We've got a new piece coming out tomorrow from the very talented Liam Horsley, writing a piece on Jimmy Butler for us, so be sure to check that out. And please also look for the YouTube channel, which is Miami Heat UK TV, another brand new show coming uh, tepid takes. We've already recorded it. Uh, it's just going in the edit, edit. That will be ready to drop tomorrow. So please subscribe to that. That's going to be a lot of fun looking at the wider NBA issues. Anyway, on to today's episode. And I am very pleased to announce I have with me today the founder of the Five Reasons Sports Network and the host of the Five on the Floor podcast is Mr. Ethan Skolnick. Ethan, how are you, sir? Good to be back with you, Dan. I'm good. Yes, it's great to have you back on. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, Now, I have been asking every guest I've had uh, recently how things are over there, but um, the reports (laughs) haven't been great coming back. So I'm actually just going to breeze over it. I'm assuming nothing's really changed. Baseball team is in our market. You're aware aware of that team, that that team has more positive tests than some countries right now. Um, I, I, I think we're... We're out doing the Marlins alone are 17. I think New Zealand is four. Um, oh, word. Something along those lines. Maybe we can get some players from New Zealand. Uh, yeah, so we're we're inside. That's what we're doing. Or at least that's what I'm doing. Yes. Well, that's a very wise choice. Yeah. And uh, talking about inside, well, we've got a bubble that's doing absolutely no problems. Zero rate, zero uh, percent uh, positive rate. So uh, it just shows you that with the right structure, things can happen successfully. So let's get straight into it, Ethan. Um, last night wrapped up Miami's scrimmage schedule, uh, going down uh, 128 to 110 to the Memphis Grizzlies, and was well by far our uh, most disappointing outing of the three games. Um, most glaringly, I suppose, it, uh, the, the the damage was done on defense um, and one or two other things, but defense mainly. Um, looking at the sort of the roster that we've got, the, you know, we have got good, solid defensive players going through here. We've got Jimmy Butler, we've got Bam Adebayo, we've got Jay Crowder, we've got Iguodala, we've got David Jones. All of these guys are competent. Well, not competent, they're good players. But it just seemed like last night, any bit of pace shown, 
it just breezed past. I mean, John Morant had a great game. Um, you know, this guy's a rookie, but he's a very special talent already. But should it be this easy? What do you, what, you know, for players just to get past and score at will? What do you think was the main sort of reasons for such a bad defensive showing last night? Well, first thing, um, we got to put it in some context that it is, you know, the third scrimmage, you know, you know, after a four month layoff. And I I don't want to give them too many excuses. Um, You know, I'll start with some reasons, but then we'll get into why I I think it is some cause for concern. Um, But but, you know, you're you're reincorporating Bam Adebayo. It's Kendrick Nunn's second game. Uh, So I I do understand. I don't want to make too much of it is what I would say. But. The Heat were a middle-of-the-road defensive team this year. Um, they were, if you look at their net rating, they were, you know, pretty much between 13 and 16 for most of the year. Um, and so they're not a particularly good defensive team. You, you rolled off uh, very well the list of good defensive players on the roster. The problem is you didn't roll off the list of bad defensive players on the <laughs> roster. And, and and so there there's a split on this team where you have basically two two-way players. Uh, guys who are pluses on offense and defense, and that's Bam and Jimmy. And in Bam's case, it's not so much, <coughs> excuse me, because of the scoring; it's more because of all the other things he does. The you know the ball handling, the facilitating, the screen setting, uh, and some scoring, but primarily those things. Uh, for Jimmy, even though he's not a good shooter, he's a plus player on offense, and they're both obviously plus players on defense. Um, the other three guys you mentioned: Derek Jones, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala are not plus players on offense. Um, Jay has been since he came to Miami. Andre does make things work, but they're not offensive threats, primary Mm. offensive threats. Okay, so then, and the reason that this becomes an issue is because then you go to the other side and you have, you know, again, start with Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olenek, (laughs) and to some degree, Myers Leonard. I kind of put him in the middle. Um, because he has some good things he does defensively, but there are other times that he's just outquicked by other guys, and so mm. it makes it difficult. But if you look at those other guys, particularly the smaller guards, okay, none Dragic hero, they're all players you need on the floor for their offense, but they're all negatives on defense. Yeah. Um, hero might not always be, but he is right now. Uh, none shouldn't be, but he is right now. And Goran, it's a product of, you know, he was never an elite defender to begin with, Mm. but he's really fallen off the past two, three years on that end. And so the problem for Eric Spolstra, because defense is always about one of three things, and we talked about this on Five on the Floor last night with Nikias. Mm -hmm. It's always about one of three things. It's, It's about personnel, it's about scheme, and it's about disposition. I don't think the Heat's disposition was right against Memphis. That may change when the real games start. It should change. Uh, that they can control. Um, scheme, I don't think there's a problem with the scheme. I mean, Eric has deployed pretty much everything, tried zone more this year. Um, you know, they run a drop scheme. They're not going to run the blitzing scheme they did during the Brig 3 era because they don't have LeBron and Dwayne and Chris Bosh and Mario Chalmers at the point of attack. And so they're not going to run that. Uh, and Norris Cole. I mean, that was they had very good defensive players. This and even Joel Anthony doesn't get talked about. I mean, they had guys who could fill a bunch of different roles. Um, so I don't think it's scheme. It's it's personnel primarily. And and the problem is, you know, it's you know, it's like a whack a mole, right? Like, I mean, if if he's gonna play, if you're gonna go with the five guys you just mentioned or four of them, okay. Mm-hmm. And this is my question for Nikias last night. How many of them can you play? 
okay, you're going to play Bam and Jimmy. But let's say you play two out of the other three. Okay, say it's Jay and Andre or Jay and DJ J or, or Andre and DJ J. If you do that, you're leaving room for only one pure shooter. Yeah. And so, you know, I asked Alex, uh, you know, our other host last night. Oh, excuse me, actually Greg, our other host last night. I said, who, who would you – and he said in that case you have to play Duncan because yeah. at least it gives you some size. And he right now is the only elite, elite shooter that they have. Can you get away with that? Can you play Duncan with Andre and Jay and Bam and Jimmy in big minutes? I think we may see some of it. Mm-hmm. I think we may see them go big and not play any of the small guards, not play you know, Kendrick, who didn't play a lot of crunch time minutes anyway, but not play Hero, who did play a lot of them, Goran, mm-hmm. who did play a lot of them. That may be what Eric has to do, Dan, because I, I, otherwise, I mean, if you can't play Dragic and Nunn together. Uh, really, it didn't work this year, and you can't play three of those shooters together. You can't. You can't go Dragic, Hero, Robinson. It's just there's not going to be enough defense out there. So I, I do think that it's it's complicated uh, for Eric. Um, one of the good things about having a deep roster is the flexibility you have. But one of the reasons they have to play all their guys is because they only have two guys who do it on both ends of the floor all the time. Yeah, that, that was exactly what I was about to say and come on to. Is that it, it, I've had these debates with other people in the NBA UK community and they're saying that you've got, you've got very, very good offensive players like elite shooters, you know, breaking records and so on. And you've got some very, very good defensive players. The problem is you haven't got enough sort of two-way. Uh, right. And you've got you've got Jimmy and you've got Bam who are very, very good at what they do on both ends. And then there's a noticeable drop-off. You're probably looking at maybe what, Jay Crowder or Derek Jones until for the next the next best at both both ends of the court. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think yeah. the thing with Derek is, you know, Derek has got to be taking and making that open a three, because if he's not, uh, he's not a good enough ball handler or facilitator to help offensively. Like Andre, if Andre's making that open three, great. But even if he's not, he's, as Eric said the other day, he's kind of a guy who just helps things move. Um, you know, he, he, he makes the right play. He, he reminds me of a lot of facilitators they've had through the years who didn't score a lot of points, but they help the offense work. Shane Battier, Dan Marley, um, Andre Iguodala is that type of vet, okay? Mm. Uh, so he can help you offensively even if he's not shooting, even if he's not making shots. If And he did that with Golden State, um, and he can still do it, okay? He won't shoot as high volume as he did there, but he can still do it. Jay Crowder can too. He's proven he's willing to take the shot. DJJ, I don't know. If he's shooting in the 20s from three and he's not shooting it a lot, then the Heat are playing four on five on offense, And so it it makes it challenging. And I I do think that's why I kind of look at Derek Jones Jr. as the 11th man right now. I think he's going to get time. But I think when you look, if if, if Eric's going to go with the core starting lineup, which I believe he wants to do do at least at the start, the lineup that works so well during the season, which, as we know, is, you know, Nunn, Robinson, Butler, uh, Adebayo and Leonard, then I think that the core backup five uh, will be Dragic. Hero, Iguodala, Crowder, and Olenek. And that mm-hmm. makes Derek Jones Jr. 11, and it makes either Solomon Hill or, you know, or Silva 12. And then kind of Udonis is 14, and Casey yeah. is break in case of emergency, okay? I, I think that's the way the roster 
is set up right now. And I think that's the way that Eric wants to go. But he did put in DJJ before he put in Andre yesterday. So I, I think there's still some potential for a role for him. But if yeah. he's not he, – he has chemistry with Bam. But if he's not taking that shot and he's not making at least, I don't know, 30 to 35% of them, he becomes a big liability on offense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it all depends on, on the matchup and so on. But it's good to have those options either way. Now, the only other thing that um, sort of caught the eye, especially during, well, actually, I wouldn't say especially during last night's because it's been sort of noticeable in all the games is I feel like Miami are, are being a bit too reluctant to do anything else other than just shoot the free. Um, we've shown what's was shots, what seems like hundreds. In fact, it probably is hundreds of threes in these in these last three games. Um, mm. And if you're having, I know, you know, we've got shooters and that's great. But if they have an off night, then it's almost like because you've only got really Jimmy and what we've seen with uh, Tyler, who's willing to sort of drive to the basket. Um, I know Bam is a part of that as well. But it seems like if you're if you're not if you're that's your game plan is to just keep throwing up the threes. Um, if they are off, then you're almost accepting the error immediately. Do you think this is something that's concerning or just getting back into the rhythm? Or, you know, why, why is there so much going up on the three-point shooting at the moment? Well, I think there's a bunch of factors, Dan. I, I think one factor is uh, a product of the environment. You know, mm-hmm. I've been told uh, by a lot of people around the organization, Buddy Heald kind of gave voice to this. Then Eric Spolster kind of said he'd heard the opposite from people. But I, I can tell you, most of the shooters... Uh, like the background and so you know what was said to me by somebody who's close to one of the players is that our guys are going to kill it in there and and I I think because they have more shooters than most other teams and and I think pure pure shooters there's no distraction in there there's there's no it's a dark background I know they're they're putting in the videos of fans but they're it's not like being in front of 19 20,000 people and hearing that kind of noise it's 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 an open gym it's just like you go to the YMCA and you're shooting by yourself almost and I I just think that they are uh they feel like the three-point shooting is a real asset from from an analytics perspective you know, the more threes you shoot, the you know, the better your offense tends to be. So I get that. Do they, they also believe that the officiating is going to be a little bit more unpredictable? Um, again, you, you don't have what you have during the regular season or the playoffs, typically where the officials are influenced by the home fans. And that's one of the reasons why we see, uh, and this has always been the case, and I've never understood why you're giving the advantage to the team that has the advantage anyway, because they're at home. We've always seen that the home teams get more calls, shoot more free throws, and that is not the case now. And so it becomes a little bit different. They don't really know what they're going to get. That doesn't mean that mm-hmm. they don't want to drive. But remember, there were really only three guys on this team that got to the line at all. Um, yeah. There are only three guys on this team that had free, more than four free throw attempts a game, and that's Jimmy, Bam, and Goron. That's it. Everybody else was two or under, okay? Kendrick Nunn was like 1.3. Hero was like 1.5. I do think Tyler's number is going to come up as he gets, again, even more confidence, becomes a better driver, and also the officials begin to respect him more. I I wish Kendrick's number would come up, but I don't know. He's so reliant on the three in the mid-range game. He does – he's – I don't. He's not as aggressive a driver at times as he can be. I think he can get that number up from 1.3, but I don't think it's going to go up a lot. So they're really relying on those three guys to get to the line. And, and one of the things we've talked about with Jimmy is you know he's downplaying the shooting thing. 
But if he's not going to get as many calls as he got during the regular season, he had a lot of games during the season where he shot four for 14, but he still gave you 19 to 22 points mm-hmm. because he got to the line 12 times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that happens now. Um, you know, to the same degree. It's not like he's not going to get any calls at all, but to the same degree. And we talked about that in the context of the playoffs when we thought there was going to be a normal playoffs. But now you, it's the playoffs, and it's going to be in basically an empty gym. I, I don't, I don't know. So, do they have anybody else who can get to the line? Not really. Andre at this stage, no. Jay, no. Uh, DJJ, not so much. Um, a lot of Goran's free throws, by the way. You know, he shoots some technicals. I mean, of that 4.1, there's some noise in there. So he doesn't get to the line. He's never really gotten the calls that he should get. I think we all kind of agree on that. Yeah. Uh, and so they don't – it's going to be Bam and Jimmy. Um, yeah. And and that is – you know, they're going to have to be aggressive and they're going to have to bail the heat out. But otherwise, I do think that they're going to shoot a higher number of threes than they shot during the regular season. Yeah, and I think that with the with this emphasis that it should be easier because of all the things you just said there with no crowd and no distractions and a dark background and so on. I suppose it was something that they had to put to test. And if that's the case, then obviously scrimmage games are the ideal opportunity to do that. So it would sort of point towards that direction. OK, good. Well, I mean, you know, the... The results weren't great. I mean, the first one was fine. The, uh, the second performance was fine, even though the result didn't quite go away. But last night was quite bad. But the good thing that we've heard since then um, is the is the reactions have been quite good. I mean, um, Tim Tim Reynolds reported saying that um, he had a post post game bubble mood tweet saying that. Uh, the heat, he had an opportunity to speak privately to several players who didn't have uh, remarks aired widely and they're not interested in just forgetting today. There was no bad loss frustration, no crutch of, well, it was just a scrimmage game. Well, that's uh, that's obviously really promising to hear. And also on the back of that, bam, you know, first game back, great to see him back on the call. He said, give me another game and I'll be back to full strength. So uh, th- these these are good things. Um, one one other thing uh, that before we we leave last night's uh, game, Ethan, uh, Justice Winslow caused a bit of a stir last night uh, <laughs> yeah. by his, by his tweeting. Um, obviously, had no part to play because of his season-ending injury, and uh, you know we, we all wished him a lot of a lot of love last uh, last week on my podcast. Um, he's come back today and said, or last night after the win, saying, "My boys circled that mf'er." Um, what do you make of this? You know, what I mean, are they really are they circling the scrimmage game against the Heat to get their own back? And why has Justice got this grudge? Yeah, you know, if if the Grizzlies and independent of Justice, if the Grizzlies should have a grudge with anybody, it should be with the NBA, which has seemed like they're doing everything they can to make sure Memphis doesn't make the playoffs. But I, I you know, as far as Justice with Miami, I mean, look, it, it was not a great end. Um, there was a lot of distrust, which is one of the reasons they traded him. Uh, they, you know, they they viewed him as a cornerstone of the franchise. They did give him an extension, and then there was a lot of dispute about how serious his injury was. And you know, my understanding, and I've talked about this on Five on the Floor, is at one point, you know, Justice met with one of the doctors uh, again, was affiliated with the Heat, and just would not believe the results. I mean, the doctor was like, "I don't see anything here." We're talking about his back now. He said, "I mm-hmm. I don't see anything," and you know, or not that you see anything, but he didn't see what Justice saw. And, you know, this led, you know, them down this slippery slope. And then, you know, when Justice was traded, I talked to some people inside the Heat organization after Justice was traded. And they said, well, he kind of justified the trade to a certain degree uh, by some of the stuff he tweeted afterwards, where it was clear he just didn't want to be here anymore. They don't have any ill will towards Justice. Now, there is ill will towards Iguodala in the Memphis organization, and that's understandable. I mean, he, he decided not to play for them. 
He didn't want to mentor them. Um, and then they ended up exceeding expectations. And really, he is a guy who could have helped them. And, you know, he just didn't want to be part of it. And so John Morant and others on the team, uh, you know, including Dylan Brooks, who went off last night, I mean, they, they were very critical publicly of, of Iguodala on Twitter and in other places, and that's their right. Now, Justice doesn't really have anything to do with that because he was traded for Iguodala. Uh, he, he was – I mean, Justice isn't one of the guys that Iguodala didn't want to play with. He, he wasn't there at the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't really know. I think – look, Justice is a bright guy, and he's a funny guy if you know him. Uh, and I think to a certain degree he's having fun here. I mean, we saw <laughs> – before he left Miami, you know, he started when he was injured. He was sort of tweeting right before games, and it was kind of. I almost wondered if somebody took over his account because it, it didn't sound. It didn't. It sounded like the justice you knew a little bit if you like, like interacted with him, but it didn't sound like the justice that had been out there publicly on social media and other places, where he was very sort of by the book. I mean, at, at this point, he's gotten sort of loose. And that's fine. Um, I, I'm not one of these people who's going to bash justice for being hurt now. Stuff happens. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it has, you know, makes you look differently at the trade or not. I mean, you know, if the Heat decided that justice was not part of the future anyway, didn't want to be here, wasn't really a fit offensively with Jimmy because their games, in some ways, justice is kind of Jimmy light, then I, I, I don't. I don't know that him being hurt now makes you feel differently about that trade. That trade's going to come down to a couple things, all right? Um, one is just what Justice does long term, okay? Not now, but long term, and whether you gave up on him too soon. But again, if he didn't want to be here, it's part of it. Um, the second thing is, does Diego Dalla and Crowder help you, particularly with the thing that we just spent the first 10 minutes talking about? Do, do they help you become better defensively? Um, because justice was not available for you at the time. You didn't know there was going to be a four-month corona break. And so, you know, at the time, justice wasn't going to be available. Iguodala and Crowder were. Um, so do Iguodala and Crowder help you now? And then the other question is, what do you do with the savings? Because they did save some money on this that they can reinvest in 2020. It kept them lean for 2021. You know, are you able to parlay this, whether it's, you know, signing uh, Iguodala's team option and sending him off or whether it's, you know, finding, you know, another piece that can help you? That's what's going to determine whether this was the right move or not. And, you know, Heat fans are going to be are going to separate on this. I I feel like it took a little of the pressure off with Justice not playing. I think I think if Justice was playing during the stretch and played well for Memphis down these eight games and then let's say Memphis does hold on the eight spot. It gets a, a high-profile series against the Lakers, and Justice is, you know, defending LeBron, which is something he's done in the past, and looks good doing it. I, I think that that might have gotten Heat fans' attention, but now mm. he's not playing. So, I mean, there's nothing really to look at until December. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it just made me laugh because, uh, I mean, I've got no ill feelings towards Justice. I wish him all the best, but it just makes me laugh that as soon as something uh, a bit prickly comes up, then uh, out come Heat Twitter in full force. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. with that. But <laughs> um, right, OK, we'll leave we'll leave uh, the Grizzlies there. Now, the only other big thing that came out this week, and um, it's always quite difficult now because I find, you know, trying to find content, 
for my podcast. I think, oh, that would be a good talking point. That would be a good talking point. And, of course, because you're now almost daily on Five of the Floor, uh, you guys just uh, wrap it up beautifully. So you always make my life a lot harder, Ethan. So, uh, <laughs> But the big news uh, this week coming out of, uh, first of all, I think it was tweeted by Twitter account NBA Central um, about Bam Adebayo and the fact that he may not be extended this year, which for me wasn't a surprise. But, of course, again, Heat Twitter went into a bit of a meltdown. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I want to because you um, put your own little mic drop um, <laughs> three or four minute YouTube video up on your channel and it absolutely nailed it. Now, I just want to hand over to you as to why, in case anybody hasn't seen your video, uh, why should we not be panicking at all about Bam Adebayo extending? Yeah, I appreciate that. And that was on our YouTube channel. Um, I mean, I think well, a few things. All right. Uh, so let's start with the first. Uh, the first is that the Heat value BAM like they haven't valued uh, a player that they brought in and developed since Dwayne Wade. And so, you know, if Heat fans are concerned that they don't understand, you know, how important BAM is, they're wrong. And I think you got to start with that entire premise. And, you know, they validated him from the very beginning. They moved Whiteside out to get him more time. Uh, guys like Haslam, Bosch, and Zoe have anointed him sort of next standard bearer for the franchise. They love Bam. And so, you know, they're not going to do anything stupid. The second thing is they've done something stupid in the past with Dwayne, and they, they understand that mistake, and they're not going to make it again. All right, the third thing is a lot of this is really technical. It's uh, they're going to pay him. The The question becomes – do you ask him to wait because it does give you more flexibility to sign players under the cap and in 2021 and then sign him over with the bird rights? And he's a smart guy. He's going to understand what they want to do. But then the other element to this is the primary reason they want to do this is to bring in his buddy, um, Giannis, who shares mm-hmm. the same agent. And they're the only two premium players in the NBA with that agent, I feel like George Sedano and I were like the first two to notice this like a year ago. And they also he's also the only guy in the league, it seems, that Giannis wants to work out with. And so the idea that he would not be clued in to the Heat's plan, either from the Heat or from his agent or from his buddy, is nuts. In fact, in some ways, to me, this is the best case scenario for Heat fans because Giannis is going to know everything that the Heat have planned even without the heat tampering um, because again, they share an agent. And so yeah. I, I just think that they're going to take care of Bam. Now, is it possible that he says to them, listen, I mean, and Bam has gotten more vocal lately about things. I mean, he's vocal about Brianna Taylor. He didn't want to do a regular, he did talk basketball yesterday, but two days ago, he didn't want to talk basketball. He wanted to talk about social justice, which is his right. We talked about players using their platform, but he is, he's coming. He, it feels to me a little like Dwayne in the second or third year. He's, he's sort of, feeling himself a little bit. He's growing into his own skin, okay, Um, in terms of being a premium NBA player and and everything that comes with that beyond the basketball. I saw it happen with Dwayne. I've seen it happen with others. It's happening with Bam, okay? And that's fine. He's earned it. But So it is possible that that if he's into empowerment, okay, that he may come out and say, no, I want my money now, okay? And tell his agent that. Tell the Heat that. Mm -hmm. I want my money now. Um, And if he does that, then yeah, the Heat will will accommodate him, okay. Yeah. But but I don't, I, Dan. I don't think it's going to be necessary. I, I think there will be an understanding. And again, <clears throat> this is not the same as you know me having late night DM conversations with Dwayne Wade in 2016, 
where he's like, why are they taking care of Hassan before me? Okay. This is not the Heat trying to keep someone like Hassan. This is the Heat trying to attract the best player in the league who happens to share the same agent. It's pretty (laughs) understandable. Okay. And, and, And I think Bam will get it now. If, it, if there's an indication from Giannis that Miami is not a place he wants to be, then maybe they change course. Do the Heat do this to get, you know, I mean, Beal's contract goes beyond that, but they do this for Oladipo? Do they do this for somebody else? I don't know. But the other thing is Bam talks to everybody in the league. Everybody likes Bam. He wants to be a standard bearer for this franchise. I I, I just don't think it's a concern, Dan. And I, I think I said it more concisely on, on the YouTube video, but I – I just don't think it's an issue, and I think – I understand why Brian Windhorst brought it up. I think part of the problem is he brought it up in the context of Mickey having lost $2.5 billion of net worth, yeah. and I've talked about that. I mean I think I was the only one talking about that you know, four or five months ago and the ramifications of that, but that doesn't have ramifications on this. Okay, It's, yeah. it's not going to prevent a BAM extension. Mickey's not going to go cheap in that way. There may be other corners that are cut. Uh, but he's not going to alienate the most important player in the franchise right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And this is exactly what um, I was sort of coming back with with people that were saying to me, you know, tweeting this to me. And I was saying, look, you know, he understands the situation. And if for any reason, because they were saying, are you not worried about, you know, you're going to piss him off for the chance of getting Giannis? And I said, well, look, if it comes to that and he does step up and say, look, I, I deserve my my payday. Then they will change course. They will look after Bam. They are not going to let him like let him go and 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 risk annoying him. But as you said perfectly, he will see the bigger picture. I am sure. So uh, yeah, I thought that was a a very well articulated message that you put on there. Right, Ethan. Um, the the last segment. Um, as I'm conscious of time. Um, you. <laughs> the last time I spoke to you, which is just before, uh, well, just during the beginning of the lockdown. We've done a quick five question. How's your memory quiz? And you uh, you ended up rock bottom or joint rock bottom of this. And uh, when I came on your podcast, you got me back well and truly. You uh, you yes, embarrassed me with a lot of uh, with a lot of NBA history, uh, heat, sorry, Miami Heat history stuff, which you knew that I didn't know because I've only been a fan for the last few years. So you got your own back. So I'm now going to uh, present it to you again. But we're going to pre- we're going to go for uh, something that's a lot more present. And this is five. How's your memory qu- uh, question? but based on the bubble and what's been happening so far. And we're going to okay. see if you can improve your one out of five ratio. Are you, are you ready for this? I, I'm ready for this. I'm a little nervous about this. I was in good company with Mike Inglis, by the way. But yeah, that's fine. Okay, We're, we're going we're gonna to do what we can. We're going to do it. Okay, right. Here we go. Um, question one. What date did Miami arrive in the bubble? What date? Uh, July... It's single digits. I'll give you it that. was the it was the eighth or the ninth. Um, I'm not going to look at a calendar. I'm going to say the eighth. The eighth is correct. You, you have matched the last time score, so it's all good from here on out. So can I retire <laughs> now? I'm like the Marlins. I'm finishing <laughs> I'm my what? season at two and one. I'm in first place, and I'm going to quarantine. Is that okay? No, no, it's not okay. I've got four more. Oh. <laughs> okay. Qu- question two. Um, you may have seen uh, shortly after. In fact, I think it was the first night in the bubble. Myers Leonard recorded himself himself ordering room service, and he ordered how many cause lights? Oh, I'm not going to remember this. I, 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 I mean, I, I, the shotgunning the cause lights, um, 
That I know, uh, but how many do you order? I, I, knowing Myers, I will say, let's go with. I was going to say a case, but let's go with twelve. Uh, it was, it was much more conservative. He ordered four cause, cause light with well, his dinner. I mean, I, I'm surprised it's conservative. The guy drinks them in thirty seconds. I mean, what, what, what's, what's wrong with him? I mean, Spolster keeps talking about guys getting out of their rooms and going to play golf, and I, I think that that was like. Shots fired at Myers Leonard, you know, that was, uh, yeah, he is a machine, absolute machine with that. Okay, right, we're we're, we're one, one, four, uh, two. So, on to question three. Uh, what was the score for Miami's first scrimmage win? Oh, I'm not gonna remember against the Kings. I'm not gonna remember that. I mean, they, 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 I, like a few days ago, yeah, last night, I remember. Um, (laughs) I don't. I can't. I'm terrible with that. It's funny. I, I can remember everybody on everybody's roster and everybody's salary, but when it comes to scores, like if you were to ask me, like what the score of Game Six of the 2013 Finals was, and obviously I've watched that game a million times, I would, I would not be able to tell you that. Um, okay, I, I must admit I am the same. Right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to rephrase it. Rather than the actual scoreline, how many did Miami win by? This was against uh, the Kings. I thought it was an, it was an eight point win. Am I how far off am I? You're very close, very close. It was a six point win. Okay, I was, I, I don't okay. give it to me, but that that's fine. I I, I feel a little yeah. bit vindicated that I was in the ballpark. You haven't embarrassed yourself. That's it, exactly right. I reckon you're going to get these last two. Here we go. Who was the right. top scorer? Who was the top scorer in scrimmage for Miami? Overall, the top scorer in Overall. scrimmages. Um, okay, well, no, that, no, this this is a reasonable question. Uh, it wasn't Goran, uh, he had 11 in the first game. Uh, Tyler was on his way. Jimmy had a, a bigger second game, but he didn't play the second. I'm, I'm, and then Duncan had the big first game, but didn't do much after that. Bam only played one, had 16. Uh, Jay had a pretty good game yesterday. I'm going to go with Tyler. Tyler was second. And you've just reeled off a bunch of names there and you forgot one um, in particular, especially second game where he hit 30 something points. Kelly Olinick. Oh, my God. How did I do that? That's you know what? You should forfeit me on the fifth question. Um, no, Kelly, no, Kelly had 27 in the second game. He had 20. See, see this. I do remember. Oh, he, had okay. 20, he, he had 27. But to be honest, I couldn't remember what he did in the first game. Um, I, think I he know got about 22, I think, first game. And then I think he got something similar last night. 20 games, I think, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, last night, last night, I, I don't remember anything they did on offense. No. I, I, I know what, what Bam did, but uh, Tyler had the bad game last game, but he did put up numbers the first two. And that's why I thought that it was him. Um, he's one for 15 from three, by the way. That number I do remember. Uh, but uh, I, I am now one for four, so actually I should. You're not one for four. I, I, I am. I'm all for this one for you, Ethan. I'm, I'm praying for this one. Here we go, because you're gonna. You, you've got to improve on last time, and I think you're gonna get it. Here we go. Last question. Yes. Who played the most minutes in scrimmage games for Miami? Okay. Um, the most minutes. All right. Well, you mentioned Kelly. You played a bunch, but he was coming off the bench. Uh, I'll go. Okay. Obviously not Bam. Uh, not Goran, uh, not, I mean, Jimmy, again, didn't play the, you know, was held out of a yep. game and didn't play the second half. So not counting him. Uh, I, and Kendrick came back, played two, but didn't play the first one. It, it is, I mean, this one is Tyler Hero, correct? Let off the fireworks. There we go. Two for five years completed. There Tyler Hero is correct. All 82 right. minutes. 82 well, minutes 40%, overall. 40% from three in the NBA will get you paid. So I'll take it. That's fine. 
Brilliant. Right, Ethan, I know you've got to shoot off. So thank you very much again for your time. It's always brilliant and always insightful listening to you. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, and they should do, if but if they're living under a rock, where can they find your content? Uh, everywhere, but Five Reasons Sports on Twitter is, is a good place to go. Um, it's the number five. And we send everything out from there, but also FiveReasonsSports.com. That one you do got to spell out the F-I-V-E. Uh, we do have a YouTube account, uh, which we recommend. We're up close to 4,000 subscribers there, so that is starting to build a little bit. And then obviously, if you just want to directly download our podcast, which you can find pretty much in all of those places, uh, but uh, it's five on the floor. Just enter it into iTunes or Google Podcasts if you're a crazy Android person or Podbean or Spotify is another place that I recommend you get us. Uh, it's kind of an easy platform uh, and uh, obviously you can get your music there too. So any of those spots. Brilliant. Okay, Ethan, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the season coming back. I believe you're you're over to Orlando very shortly, yes? I'm going to go. I'm not going to live in the bubble. It just wasn't uh, between the combination of cost and commitment. It's just it's not workable. But I, I am going to go up next week. I, it, it's a little strange that if, if for Tier 2 media. I mean, not strange. I mean, you need to do it. But they're only testing certain days. And you got to wait for the test to come back. It's a lot faster than general population. But I don't know which will be my first game I'm covering just because I don't know, you know, first thing, I got to test negative, but I don't know uh, when the test comes back. So I'm going up to test on Monday. I'm hoping I have a test in hand that I can go cover the Heat's game Monday. It's more likely that I'll be covering the games on Tuesday and Thursday next week. Okay, well, you have fun and uh, enjoy yourself, but stay safe and uh, keep leading the market with your content. We'll speak to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. No problems.